Generation Church, based in the beautiful Rex Theater in the heart of downtown Pensacola, Florida. Our hope is that today's teaching will encourage and equip you to be firm in faith, to fulfill the call of God in your life, and to finish well. Grab your Bible, open up your notes app, and let's dive in. We're reading out of Psalm 139, 1 through 18 today. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit up and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind, and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall shall cover me and the light about me be night even the darkness is not dark to you the night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. It's the word of the Lord. Thank you, Michelle. Good morning, generation. How's everybody doing? We are so glad. I'm so glad to, to be back. I was gone for 10 days with my family, uh, and we, were, uh, we decided to, uh, well, I don't call it an adventure anymore. I call it more, or I don't call it vacation. I call it more of an adventure because we traveled 3,200 miles uh, by car. Um, going through uh, D.C., uh, to, uh, Montreal, Toronto, and, and back, uh, because that's how we like it. But we're very tired after that, so really vacation happened when we got back, and I was able to do nothing, absolutely nothing, for two days, and that was awesome. How was your summer? Was it good? Uh, whether you traveled or whether you stayed, I hope it was restful. I hope it was enjoyable, but I also hope that you were able to get just a little closer to God, because... As we gear up for this back-to-school craze, there's one thing that continues to be an absolute necessity, and that is a vibrant, strong relationship with God. And so what better way to uh, nourish that than with um, prayer? And that's why, as we talked about, we had this whole week of prayer each evening as a church, and it was awesome. For those that were able to come, uh, we were between 30 and 40 uh, each, each night, and it was just incredible to just spend that one hour um, with God. Well, you have an opportunity tonight, as you heard as well, uh, for this night of worship tonight at 6 p.m. Um, and it is not only a way for us to close this week of prayer, but really it's a way to close this, this uh, three-part uh, series on the attributes of God, um, because we've been looking at just uh, how <laughs> amazing uh, God is. 
And as you discover who God is, I mean, here's the deal. When you pray, like, it's good to know who you're praying to, right? It's good to know who you're praying to. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, there's very few things as uplifting for the heart and mind as a serious study of the attributes of God. So I only have 30 minutes to tackle my subject today, and we're just going to barely scratch the surface, that's for sure. Because even if we were to take all the attributes together, uh, the ones we talked about, but even all the others, the ones that make him so different than us, the ones that we can relate to that we are created in his image, if we were to bring all that together, all in one thing, it would still not give us a complete image of who God is. I love to say it this way, God is, is the diamond with a, with, a, with a million sides. And every time you discover a new aspect of who he is. But as we study the attributes, we get a glimpse. And you know our finite mind can accept that glimpse and maybe meditate on that glimpse just a bit further. There are so many out there. there there's the fact that God is eternal, that God is self-sufficient, that God is wise, that he is good, that he is holy, that he is love but that he is also just, but that he is also merciful, that he is true. And the fact that he is absolutely perfect in each one of those attributes, it's, it just uh, boggles the mind. Now keep in mind, as we study the attributes of God, as we discover who we're praying to, we're praying to a limitless God, but we are praying to God in this way, yet we have a very limited mind. We have to accept that. We cannot completely understand uh, or completely and fully comprehend who uh, God is. As we discovered these last two weeks, there's nothing that he doesn't know. And there's no one or nothing more powerful than him. Now those two, the, the omniscience and the omnipotence of, of God, we can kind of compare these. Like obviously this, like no one's, no one's stronger than him, no one knows more than him. But we know people that know more than us. And we know people that are stronger than us, right? And so we can kind of understand that comparison. But the one that I'm about to talk about, it's also an omni, right? It causes a complete brain freeze, if you think about it. Because unlike any other creature who can only be at one place at one time, God is everywhere at the same time. So I want you to look at the screen for a second. Tell me, what do you read? What do you read when you see that? Now, if I'm being honest, the first time I read that, I shamefully read, God is nowhere. And then as you look a little closer, you can actually see that it can also say, God is now here. Now, what did you read first? I guarantee you that has nothing. It doesn't reflect on your heart. doesn't mean that you think that God is nowhere. Um, so it doesn't reflect your heart. But that, that word, jumbled together, it does reflect the two categories of humanity. Those that say that God is nowhere and those that say that God is now here. Those that live as if God is nowhere, those that live as if God is now here. Our attribute today is the omnipresence of God. God is omnipresent. Omni means all, present means here. So to simplify, omnipresent means all here. God is all here, everywhere, all at once. But I want you to see this morning that he is also the one now here closer than your skin, knows your innermost thoughts. And so as we first take time this morning to ponder the presence of God, and we're going to spend the majority of our time there just pondering the presence of God, to, to, to take time as humans to just be in awe of this attribute that is so unlike us, 
We're going to first take time to ponder, but then I also want to give you a quick application on how we can practice the presence of God. So first, let's ponder the presence. Can our minds wrap around this concept? No, but it sure is fun to try, right? It sure is fun to kind of get into that sci-fi mode, really, if you think about it. And when I do start to think of God outside of time, etc., I see the wonder, and I hope you do too, that this always everywhere God also knows you more than you know yourself. That this always everywhere God that seems so vast, maybe so far, is never too busy for you if you call to him in prayer. And that you don't even have to cry out to God. You could just be whispering and he hears you. That leaves me in awe. That leaves me in awe before this incredible concept. But, but most of humanity wants to know wants to know, where is God? In fact, in our text this morning, that, that's what David is saying. Where is God? That's the question that man asks. So, let, so let's try to see if we can answer it with our very limited mind. Where is God? The seeker wants to know. The skeptic wants to know. The hurting wants to know. God, where were you when this and this happened? Even the guilty sinner wants to know so he can run the other way. We want to know where is God. Well, let's listen again. I, I want to read several times this passage because we're meditating this morning on this passage. Psalm 139, and I'm going to read as of verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? In essence, where is God? If, look how he answers. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness there is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. So to the question, where is God? Where is God? Here, there, everywhere. Everywhere you look, that's where God is. Here's a, a good definition, I think, of the omnipresence of God would be this. That he is present at every point of space at the same time. Let me say that again. God is present at every point of space at the same time. <laughs> right? Like, we can't comprehend completely. We can't understand completely. So I, I, I prayerfully ask God ways that we could simplify. Um, when, when, when you teach, you want to bring it to a level. And so I think that's why I enjoy teaching, because I want to bring it to a level I can understand. So I'm trying to think, okay, how, how can I understand this just a little bit more? And so I, I have three illustrations for us that I hope either will help you understand a little bit better the concept, or if anything at least just make you be in awe of this God so other than us, so above and beyond us, and that it would, be, it would lead us. Awe can lead, will lead us into worship, and that's a good place to be, to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. So three illustrations. The first one I thought of was the maze. So you've seen a maze before, right? I'm going to put it up there just for a second because I know some of you are trying to figure out how to get there. You're looking, I know. So I'm going to tell Pastor Ray now in just a second to turn it off. Thank you. That way you can pay back attention to me. Okay, so as you know, it's a path, uh, and it, it's with a line, with, with a pencil, and there's ways that block you, so you have to figure out some ways will bring you to a dead end, and others will bring you to uh, the, the outcome, the, the end. Um, in the same way that the pencil is limited, the maze solver, you, you are not. You see everything all at once. 
And so the idea here is that uh, the line may be limited, but not you. In the same way, God is beyond space. If this maze was, was the universe, right? God is outside, has the maze solver, free from any movement restrictions. And just like the maze solver, who is free to pick up the line and, you know, kind of visually see, oh, this way won't be good for him, this way won't be good for him, how do you get to the other side? Some of us, even when we try to solve maze, we start, we start from the back, come on, be honest, right? We, try, we start from the, from the finish to, to get there easier. God, in the same way, is everywhere at the same time, outside of the maze of this universe. He sees everything, he is everywhere. He sees all possible outcomes in space, but also in time. He's in our past, he's in our present, he's in our future, all at the same time. You gotta understand that God's concept of time is not our concept of time. God's concept of space is not our concept of space. You know, we see time as linear, so I thought of this, the second idea is this, that, and you've heard of this before as, as life being like a, a line, so if it's linear, right, so it's straight, so I was born in Mexico, moved to France, was raised in France, and uh, then I went to Colorado for a couple of years for studying. Then I came back uh, and studied a little bit more. Then I met my wife, Helen, and we got married and then uh, went to ministry. And then I had one child and then I moved to Pensacola. And as I'm doing this, see what's happening is it's in the past now. And I'm, I'm in the present and I'm just, I don't know what's in the past. I don't know what's in the future. I'm in, I'm in the now, right? And so if it, this is how we see time. You know how God sees time? The way you need to consider is that what he is doing is he sees everything in past, in present, and in future. And so he is unrestricted by time or space. And isn't it not true that he holds time in his hands? And that's, that's our life. And he sees our life. And he sees everything past, present, and future. You see, it's, it's the concept that it's outside of time. God is outside of time. And he holds time in his hands. You've got to remember this. He is unrestricted. It's a mystery. But he's unrestricted by what the maze offers, by what this idea of linear time. And so not only that, though, even though he is that, you could think, well, he's so vast, he's so big, how does he even care about me? Well, he comes into time, just like he came uh, on earth at a specific time 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ. So he also comes into time now. He is always now with us. And that's what I want you to understand. We, we, we aren't living in the past. We aren't li living in the future. We live in now. And that's how God comes to meet us now. He is the God now here. Psalm 90 verse 2 says it this way, before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed earth, the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are. I love that about our God. There's just such a stability to it. Not you were, you will be, even though he is, that, he is the one that, that was and is and is to come. To us, he is always the God that is now, here and now, here for us, the great I am. It's interesting, uh, Carrie, during worship, was reminding us of Exodus chapter 3 with Moses uh, meeting God. And that's how, that's how God meets Moses and says, this is how you will say who I am to the people. I am the I am. I am the one you're going to see. You're going to discover me. There's so much that you can see of me just in your present day. Every day you're going to see this is who I am. Keep your eyes open. I am here now and forever. And so that's, that's the second thought I, I, I was thinking of. And then the third uh, illustration I had was just imagine a perfect circle. A perfect circle has, has a perfect center. And that center, even a millicentimeter uh, off, it, it's no longer the center, right? Well, get this. Again, God, unrestricted by time and space. God's center is everywhere. 
his circumference, which would be the limits of the circle, is nowhere. Isn't that beautiful? God's center is everywhere. His circumference is nowhere. Everything is within God. Look at it this way. If the sea is the environment of the fish, if the air is the environment of the birds, God would be the environment of all creation. See, creation doesn't contain God. Creation is not, or God is not in this Bible. God is not in this watch. God is not, he, he lives in us, but he is not uh, restricted by that. God does not contain, or uh, creation does not contain God. That's something known as pantheism. That's a belief that God lives in objects or such. No, creation doesn't contain God. God contains creation. And, and, his, and, and this idea of his center being everywhere and his circumference being nowhere, God is equally present everywhere. His head is not on, on earth while his foot is on Jupiter. No, he is equally present everywhere. A little bit complicated, a lot complicated. That's what makes him God. That's why I said let's ponder the presence and let's be in awe so that we can have the appropriate response, which is simply to worship the God who is other. But behind that question, let's get back to Psalm 139, this idea, where is God? Really, many are asking this question, and it's interesting that David even chooses to ask it. Behind this idea, where is God, what we're really asking is, where can I hide? Where can I hide from God? Because we understand that if I can hide from God, then I'm in control. If I can hide from God, then I can do what I want. And so for some, it's troublesome to think that God is everywhere at the same time. And it's strange that David, who is a man after God's own heart, would ask this question until you realize that it's really a rhetorical question. And for the believer, it's actually quite comforting to know that God is everywhere. And so if you are not comforted by the fact that God is everywhere, I hope that after this time together, you will be, because that is God's desire for you as well in this fact that God is omnipresent. So where can I hide? David gives three possible areas where you'd think that maybe we could hide. The first one is essentially he's asking, can I hide in death? Maybe death is you know, the end all and, and finally I won't have you know, the, the master watching me. So David's saying, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? This is the legitimate question he's asking. Now watch the answer. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Can I hide in death? No. See, Sheol, a lot of translations say hell, but the, the literal translation of Sheol is the grave. So in death. Well, what the psalmist is saying here is that no, so, like some cultures will say God is nowhere. Some might even believe, no, after death, God is nowhere. But David is saying God is now here on both sides of death. And not just for the, the believer, but also for the unbeliever. Both believer and unbeliever will be ushered into the presence of God, the final judgment before his throne. Now for the unbelievers, and let me give it a positive twi a twist first, for the unbelievers, there is hope until their last breath. Right? We see that with the thief on the cross. When he's on the, cro when he's on the cross and he's next to Jesus and he realizes who Jesus is, and, and, and he's repenting in essence. And he says, will you remember me when you go to be in your kingdom? And Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise this very day. And that is what happens. And so here we see that even in death, for the unbeliever, there is hope until, last breath. Now the negative 
twist to that is that after death, there is no hope. But until your last breath, there is hope. Please hear that. But now for believers, it's a whole different story. Death is a whole other picture. For believers, it's a beautiful homecoming. We're finally home. And, and why? Because in heaven, we, we've had glimpses here and there of God's presence, but in heaven, we have his presence unfiltered, and we become more alive than ever. I love how Billy Graham puts it. Uh, before passing away, he wrote these words. He said, somewhere you will hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe it for a second. I shall be more alive than ever. I will just have changed a dress. I will have gone into the presence of God. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So where can I hide? In death? No. But that's a good thing. We keep on reading. Where can I hide? In distance? Psalm 139, verse 9. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Even in distance. So David is saying, so the wings of the morning is referring to the, the rays of the morning sun. So in essence, David is saying, if I were to climb on to one of those rays and travel at the speed of light at 106,000 miles a second, even there, there's nowhere I can go. I can't go far or fast enough. God is there with me. So you can go as fast or as far as you want and circle the earth and you'll find God with you. What if you go up. You go as fast and as far as you can into space. Will God be there? I heard this story, and this true story, of astronauts on Apollo 8, and it was in 1968, and they were going to broadcast on Christmas Day, uh, and, and so everyone's glued to their TV. It was one of the most watched broadcasts at the time, uh, and they decided to, to read the account of Genesis chapter 1, the account of creation. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and they're looking at the earth. They're orbiting around the earth. They were, in essence, declaring God is now here. A few years later, there was a, a, another cosmonaut that returned from orbiting earth, and at a conference, he said, well, when, when I looked out my, my space capsule, I come to the conclusion that God is nowhere. <laughs> to which, in that room, there were two men. One man says to his friend, well, if he'd taken off his space suit soon enough, he'd have seen him pretty quickly. Right, if you go out, in essence, what we were we are confirming here is that where can I hide? Not in death either, not in death, not in distance, and the third thing is not in darkness either. We leave. We read verse eleven and twelve. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. I kind of like that. That like he's convinced. Yeah, surely, surely the darkness shall cover me. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. So David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shares that even in darkness you cannot hide. It's interesting that he chooses that, that theme. Do you know that there was a poll recently made? 11% of American adults, I mean a lot of kids are afraid of the dark, but 11% of American adults are afraid of the dark. And that's actually a higher percentage than the fear of heights. And so there is a, a legitimate fear, and, and when asked why, they, they responded, we feel vulnerable. And I think all of us would agree, if all of a sudden all the lights turned off, I'm telling you, all the lights, like pitch dark, you might hear a couple people cracking jokes for a while, but if the light doesn't come back for a while, there's an unease that starts to happen, right? If everything's pitch dark, 
Now you're gonna, your mind's going to play tricks for you. Do I have someone staring me at the face, making faces at me right now? Is it possible that if I move to the left, I'm going to bump into something that's going to hurt me? And we are afraid of the dark. But while some are afraid of the dark, do you know that there's some that wait for the dark? They wait for the darkness. There's actually a, a fact that crime rate rises higher between the hours of 1 and 3 a.m. in the morning. People think they can hide in the dark. But you know that God sees? He got, God sees everything. So if you're afraid of the dark, God sees. If you're waiting for the dark to do things that you know you shouldn't, God sees. And again, the whole point of what I'm saying is, you might be saying, where can I hide out of fear? I want you to understand it's a rhetorical question. Where can I hide? God, there's nowhere I can hide from you, and that's a good thing. Where can I hide? In death, in distance, in darkness, God sees. There's nothing that can hide us from God's presence. But in talking about darkness, you automatically think of what about our dark seasons in life? Where was God when? Fill in the blank. Do you know that God is with you? Your feelings might convince you that, that God is nowhere, but his promise should tell you that he is now here. Let me just give you one of his promises, as many promises in his word, Isaiah 43, verses two and three. That when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Where can I hide? In death, in distance, in darkness. There's nowhere I can hide. God is everywhere. So, is that good news or bad news? Are you the one saying, you wish that God is nowhere? Or are you the one that's saying, Man, God is now here. So what's the difference? I, I thought of this, this uh, episode. We, my wife, Helen, and I, we've been watching Everybody Loves Raymond quite a bit. Pretty good show with family and everything. And um, I remembered this clip as I was, I was studying for this message. I wanted to show you guys. So it's, it's the, if you guys know this show, it's, it's Ray, who has a brother named Robert. And um, uh, they're at this moment talking about marriage. And uh, Ray's wife is right there. And Ray, you know, he's really quiet, but when he starts to get riled up, he gets pretty riled up. So anyway, here's the clip, and we'll talk about that in a second. Look, this is marriage. You wake up in the morning, and she's there. You, you, you come home at night, and she's there. You eat, she's there. You, you go to sleep, there. And I know that sounds like a bad thing. But it's not. It's not. Not if it's, the, if it's the right person. Then it's good. It's, it's good. It's really, really good. Okay, first of all, this is great uh, marital advice. You know, take it, take it to heart. But to our point, you know, it's that idea. Like we've been saying, God is there. God is there. God is there. And maybe some of you are thinking that this might be a, a bad thing or a scary thing. But it's not if it's the right person. And in this series, we've been wanting to know who we're praying to. It's not if it's the right person. Of course, we don't want someone with bad intentions stalking us 24-7. Of course not. But God is not an angry man in the sky. And some people see him that way. But I want to take a moment to say, have you met my God? 
Have you met my God? I love how C.S. Lewis describes him. Uh, for those that know, the Chronicles of Narnia is actually an allegory, and it, it's a picture of, of Jesus and what he did. Jesus is, is, is Aslan, the lion. Uh, we know this because then in the story, Aslan sacrifices his life and raises from the dead. So it's very clear that C.S. Lewis, a believer, was giving an allegory of, of God in Jesus. And I love this conversation between little Lucy and Mr. Beaver, who knows the lion, the great lion. So Lucy says, well, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. To which Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that's the perspective we need of God. Is he safe? Of course he isn't safe. God is impressive is an understatement. We just went through three weeks where we discovered he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present. The Bible says he's an all-consuming fire. Of course he isn't safe, but he's also all-good, all-kind, all-love. And so when you look at it that way, when I hear people say, where can I hide? My question would be, why would you want to hide? Why would you want to hide? Because yes, he may be such a great big God but he's also such a good, close to you, God, who loves you, who paid the price. So why would you want to hide? Jonah tried to flee God's presence, we read in the Bible, and God's presence followed him right into the belly of a fish. Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed, they wanted to hide and they covered themselves and they hide in the forest and God actually calls them out, says, where are you? You think God didn't knew? Of course he knew. What he wanted is for Adam and Eve to be aware that he knew. You see, we try to hide, but God sees everything. But in his love, he wants to lead us into an awareness of his presence. And so, in our case, what makes us run away, what makes us want to hide, is our rebellion, is our decision to sin. And so as a result, we go the wrong way. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God made a way for us to come back, to not feel guilt, to be free of guilt. And that way was made possible through his son, Jesus, who came into history 2,000 years ago, intersecting our destiny with his at the cross. At the cross, he died for our sins. He forgave our debts that we could never pay. He defeated death when he rose from the dead. And we can live forever with him. We can live forever with the omnipresent God who is unrestricted by time and space. We have the privilege of living with him one day forever. And so he came then, 2,000 years ago, but he is now here. I've been talking about the omnipresence of God, but I have to also talk about the fact that he is now here. And what he's asking each one of us to do, if we are, trying to hide, is to stop hiding. Maybe some here you've been hiding through your actions, through your words, through your negligence, whatever it may be. God lovingly is telling you to stop hiding. And here's what he offers. What he offers is what he told his disciples before ascending into heaven, where he said, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And what he offers is the opportunity to one day see him face to face. So we've established that there are two categories of people, those that believe that God is now here and those that believe that God is nowhere. 
We've also established that there is nowhere that we can hide from him. And hopefully by now, you've come to the conclusion that that's a good thing. And even greater news for us this morning is that you can experience his presence. Let me put it this way, his manifest presence. No one, no one can see God fully for who he is, but we can experience his presence by his spirit. And we can experience what it is is we experience his manifest presence. In other words, the effects of his presence. Just like how we describe uh, the Holy Spirit, it's, it's just like you see the wind having an effect on the trees. We know that the Holy Spirit is at work in people's lives by the way their lives are. So we can see the effects of his presence. How do we do that? Well, R.C. Sproul talks about this paradox of, a, of another dimension. And so as we explore again and continue to explore and ponder uh, the, the paradox of the presence of God, where is God? You know, I don't want to hide now. The key to understanding this paradox is to think in terms of another dimension, he says. The barrier between God and us is not a barrier of space or time. We talked about that. To meet God there is not a where to go or when to occur. To be in the immediate presence of God is to a step into another dimension. And as I was reading that, prayerfully considering it, it just came to me. That dimension is that dimension of faith. You want to see God? Faith. That's how we become aware. God is everywhere, but not, we don't always see him. How do we see him? Through faith. That's how we become aware. What is faith? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So can you see an invisible God? If I can tune into this dimension of faith, I can see, again, the manifest presence of the invisible God. Think of uh, radio waves. I'm sure you've heard of this before. Do you know that right now in this room, there are thousands of radio waves, of signals. Talk about AM, FM, your cell phones, right? There's so many signals happening, low frequency, high frequency, thousands of signals. And you're not aware of it because you're simply not tuned into any. If we were to somehow be able to tune into it, we'd be like, oh, wow, this is happening right now? Like in this room, it's heavy. So then look at it from a spiritual perspective. We're not aware because we're not tuned in. How do we tune in to this dimension of faith? How can we tap into it? And so that's why, that's why I want to get practical in the, the remaining minutes. We've pondered the presence of God. Let's now think about how we can practice the presence of God. Now, I, I chose those specific words because it's the words that uh, Brother Lawrence coined in his book, The Practice of the Presence of God. I highly recommend it. Brother Lawrence was a monk in the 1600s. And as you read his book, you just see how close he was with God. And he just understood just in the mundane how to be in the presence of God. And I love just the advice he offers. And here's some practical advice for us. So this is what you can put in your pocket and put into practice. He says this, keeping it really down to earth. I love it. Whatever we do. So think about what you do during the week. Whatever we do, we should stop for a few minutes as often as possible, to praise God from the depths of our hearts. Whatever we do, let's learn to just stop for a few minutes and acknowledge his presence. To enjoy him there in the secret. Since we believe that God is always with us, no matter what we may be doing, why shouldn't we stop for a while to, and here are different types of prayer, to adore him, to praise him, to petition him, to offer him our hearts, and to thank him. So the advice that we get here from Brother Lawrence is this. We stop to pray often. 
It's a good way of understanding what it means to practice the presence. We stop what we're doing to pray often. And so what I'm getting at is this. If faith is the door to the dimension connecting us to God, prayer is the key. A prayer lifestyle. I love how Paul says it. Pray without ceasing. So God is everywhere, but what I'm trying to get at is he is everywhere, yet he can be now here for us. And the key for us to grasp that he is now here is to be aware. We are made aware through prayer. The awareness of his closeness, of his availability, will grow more as we practice his presence daily. So this whole series has been about knowing who you're praying to. To our theme this morning, I hope you're getting it. He is not just the omnipresent God, but you can know the God now here. If I were to go back to our text in Psalm 139, I want to paraphrase the whole psalm for you here in just a few words. The God who is now here, who, here, here is who he was to David, and here, here is who he is to you. He knows when you sit, when you rise. He knows your thoughts, your ways, your intentions. This all-knowing God is also all-powerful. He protects you. He goes before you. He covers you. He accompanies you. The God all-present is everywhere, wherever you go. He is in everything that you experience, the dark times and the good times. In his book are written the days formed for you when as yet there was none of them. And then we live in Pensacola. Go to the beach one day. Grab some sand. David has something to say about that. He says, how vast are God's thoughts for you? If you could count them, they are more than the sand. And I'm not talking about the sand in your hand, which is already a, a ton of thoughts. But then look around beyond you and you'll see so much more sand. And then just realize and remember that's just one beach among so many others. That's how vast his thoughts are for you. Man, if you're not worshiping God yet, you should be. That the almighty, all-knowing, all-present God is here for you. Not nowhere, but now here for you. So know who you're praying to. He is the one that says, I know. He is the one that says, I can. And he is the one that says, I am. I am, not just omnipresent, but the one now here for you. Band, you can come up. As we close, James chapter 4, verse 8 says this. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, obviously, we know already that God is already near. The problem is our awareness, and that's what I want to get to right now. The problem is our awareness. So our action is to draw near to God. Well, maybe some of you are stopped right there. Maybe you feel like you're not worthy to approach, to which I would reply, you're not, just like I'm not. I never have and I never will be on my own. My access to God's presence is not based on myself or any of my works, but it is based on the work of Christ, on what Christ did for me on the cross. And so the best thing I can do and the best advice I can give you for your next step is to simply turn to him. If you've been hiding in whichever way, in the most subtle way even, even just ignoring him, if you've been hiding or running away, my advice to all of us is to turn 
to him. And you know what you'll discover? That he's been there all along. Our back's been turned to him, but he's been there all along. And the moment you turn towards him, you draw near to God, you'll realize he's already there. He will draw near to you because you're now aware of his presence. He never left. So one way we can draw near to God is to say a prayer. And I want to invite you in this prayer this morning. It's, a, it's adequate because it's the way that the psalmist ended the Psalm 139, where he asked God to search him. It's a good way to end our three-week study on the all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present God. It's a good way to segue into what I hope all of us, all of you will join us uh, to further um, being in awe of God tonight during Seek. But look at the screen, and I want us to just stay there for the next couple minutes. That's it. That's the prayer. So if you said it with me, search me. But before, before you actually read it with me, um, I, I want you to make sure that you mean it. Charles Spurgeon quotes one of his friends, and he says this, It's easy to mock God by asking him to search you while you have made little effort to search yourselves and perhaps still less effort to act upon the result of the scrutiny. So just look at this prayer. You guys, this is a dangerous prayer. It's a powerful prayer. It's potentially a life-changing prayer. Maybe for you this morning. So just a moment, get ready to not just pray it, but to act upon what he'll show you. Because the God now here might just show you one or two things that, I may, that are maybe grievous to him. So here's the deal. You, you might, he might show you one or two things and you might be tempted to say, oh, cool, I have one or two things to work on. I'm, I'm not that bad. No, God is just that gentle. And so as you begin this journey or continue this journey with him and you say, God, search me, this is a daily prayer. God, search me. And he might show you one thing. Work on that. He's patient with you. Come back to him, though. It's about practicing the presence of God. It's a continual thing. Pray without ceasing. And in a sense, the prayer of, of repentance, because that's what it is, is such a powerful one. And it's not just one you do one time. But it's what helps you to just be aware of God's presence continually. And so apply what he shows you. Maybe even this morning he'll show you one or two things. How do you apply it? You apply it by bringing it to him. You apply it by surrendering that thing to him. You apply it by choosing to crucify that thing. And then what you do is you come back and you ask again, God, search me. Keep practicing the presence of God consistently. Faith is the door. Prayer is the key. I promise you, we do that, you, we grow like never before. So if you're ready to embark on this or continue doing this, for some this is maybe just a reminder, then I just invite you to stand up. And what we're going to do is we're going to take time uh, just to respond. So go ahead and stand up, everyone, together. And I'm going to read out loud part by part, and I want you to just repeat after me when I say it. And I purposely leave just time and space for God to speak to us. If he reveals one or two things, go ahead and jot it, jot it down, or, or maybe you'll remember it. But this is an opportunity for us to respond to the omnipresence of God that is also so close to us, whispering in our ear by his spirit. So let's just close our eyes, and let's just be aware of God's presence right now.
So repeat after me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, you heard our prayer. God, we thank you because you are so other than us. You're all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. That's the God that we worship, that we bow down to, that we submit to. But God, thank you because you came down and you, you let us know that you are also Emmanuel, God with us. God in us, by your spirit, God in us. Greater is he that is in the world. Greater is he. Yeah. You know, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for guiding us, for leading us. And we worship you. I pray, Lord, for every person here in this room and listening to the sound of my voice, God, that we would um, learn to regularly be aware of that constant presence. Tap into it as often as we can. Lord, by faith, just acknowledge your presence and, and see that manifest presence more and more in our lives as we grow with you, Lord. I do pray, Lord, that we are people that just see the effects of your manifest presence, God. We want to see you. Lord, tonight as we come before you in worship and we take time to pray for one another, maybe there's people that need healing, deliverance. God, thank you for just manifesting your presence because, yes, God, you are all powerful, but you are also all good. You are all present, but you are also, and you are also all love. Lord, you are the God now here. Lord, we acknowledge that this morning. and Thank you because you want to speak to the depths of our heart. We are listening, God. We are listening. We're here again. Lord, have your way in us and lead us. Lead us in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us at Generation. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram at Generation Pensacola or go to the website at generationpensacola.com and from wherever you download your podcasts. If today's teaching impacted you, we'd love to hear about it. So please drop us a note.